they they gave me concern, and and I realized, you know, Bye. Uh, do it. Sorry, hold on. I didn't get that on the recording. Um, <laughs> Gerald, edit that out, please. And you know where that's going, so I don't know why you said that. That's becoming a bumper. We both know it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he'll end up blogging that out anyway. So. Right. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Game Source episode 64. We were just already. 64. Man, can you believe it? 64 episodes? Weren't we just at 50 not too long ago? Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Time flies. We hit our benchmark at some point. Anyway, I guess uh, maybe we should introduce ourselves like we usually do, right? Uh, it's actually only two of us on tonight, and uh, surprisingly, one of those people are me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Nick here with your game source, and we got Jamie with us tonight too. What's going on, everybody? Or I should say, Nick, because we are everybody. <laughs> we are everybody right now. Um, yes, Ellis lives is off doing something. No, he's actually uh, off being a good father right now. So, so really, I think the center focus, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie tonight's probably going to originate around. Originally, I mean, revolve rather. It's going to revolve around Bioshock Infinite. That's correct. I think everything's going to revolve around all things Bioshock. And if I remember right, the angry one has some topics on this. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, we're, we're, we kind of analyze it from different, a couple different aspects. You know, I know the level of marketing and, and just – you know, for those of you who subscribe to their Facebook feed um, and, and you've seen all the Bioshock updates progressively over the last, you know, couple months and, and probably far beyond then, you know, just every time I would see, oh, okay, exaggerating a little bit, maybe not every time, but as soon as I would see Bioshock pop open, you know, as soon as I opened my Facebook feed, I'd be like, man, I cannot wait to get that game. You know, it, it just, you know, it, it just kind of, their whole, whole, I think, marketing strategy, I think they've released just enough footage that you would want to watch it and rewatch it. And, and I, at least me, for instance, I was really just, uh, you know, I, I went through their, their website and, you know, I, I would watch all the content and, 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 you know, trying to get all the, uh, you know, look at some of the, the concepts behind their, the, behind their enemies and just the, the kind of overall to try to get an overall picture of the game. So, I, I mean, I guess from this aspect, you know, I mean, I don't know, Jamie, and, and you could, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I really think they really put a tremendous hype on this game. And, 
And not so much that they, like, really oversaturated it, but they put it out there enough to where, you know, like, the trailers, you would just watch them and just be like, oh, man, that looks cool. That looks like it's going to be shape up to be a great game. And at least for me, being a Bioshock fan and having played the other two games, which um, despite the, the absolute heinous ending that they had, uh, both of them, matter of fact, had terrible endings. And I'm not going to, you know, spoil the ending of, of, of Infinite for those of you who haven't played yet, but I don't know. What are you analyzing their marketing strategy? Do you think they, I mean, did they overkill it? Do you think they hit right medium margin? Do you think they, they undercut it? Did they not maybe promote it? more than what it should have been promoted. I, I mean what what's your what's your uh what's your point of view on that? I think I agree with you totally and just I have to say they knocked it out of the park. I mean every t- corner, every place you went, it was Bioshock. We went to E three last last year. There was how many buildings with Bioshock painted <laughs> down the side? Um look at Ken Levine was just everywhere promoting and pushing this. I have not seen professional promoters promote things as much as this man was promoting this game. <laughs> and as, as you said, you know, you've got the videos, Facebook. It was just anything you saw made you think, wow, I cannot wait to get my hands on this game and start playing it. Mm. And I, I don't think it was the, a lack of, I don't think it was just in the middle, I don't even think it was overkill. I think this promotion, what they did with their marketing, there's quite a few in the industry that could probably take an example from them and run with a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they gave you they gave you just what they wanted you to see. They gave you enough to whet your appetite and want to play. They, they didn't like... Yeah, I mean, even now, if for those of you who you who haven't, I mean, and, and I realize you know YouTube and all these other media outlets are probably overly saturated with gameplay footage, and you know IGN who you know pretty much kills your wet dream for you if you watch their walkthrough videos and things like that. But you know, just watching the trailers, they left a cliffhanger, and most of them just like, oh man. Could you have just played that for like 30 seconds more and just show me what happened after that? And, you know, even when initially, I think, didn't they start, they started previewing the game back in E3 2011, right? Correct, when they and then that's when they started playing the Move the Date Around game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, introducing relationships like, um, you know, and we'll get more, more to the details of the game, but just kind of an overall perspective from it. Introducing concepts um, and fundamentals like like, um, like just a relationship between Elizabeth and uh, Booker and, and just their dialogue and interaction throughout the game. And, and I didn't really think, you know, just like Final Fantasy VII, how you know, we all wish that, you know, Sephiroth had a voice in the game and, and how much, mm-hmm. you know, how much it would, uh, you know, ultimately kind of shape the emotion of the game, you know. I didn't really, I didn't really think too much about it until I actually started playing the game. That, you know, the dialogue between those two really just shapes the overall emotion and the tone of the game. You don't feel like you're this this robot 
aimlessly wandering through Colombia with no voice of your own and, 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 and really nothing to emotionally tie you and attach you to the characters. Right. So, you know, watching this initial interaction during during the trailers and being able to go, you know, you know, wow. I mean, not only do they talk, but their dialogue sounds realistic. It's not it's not cheaply made dialogue. It's not repetitive. I mean, they're having genuine conversation. And then, you know, seeing the type of combat situations that could could combine Elizabeth's skill set with your skill set. And, you know, I just think seeing things like that, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I was just kind of like, you know, oh, man, this, like I said before, you know, this game looks looks like it's going to be really awesome. It's looking like it's shaping up to be a great game. And I think they offered that that just, you know, that, that cliffhanger at the end of their trailers and their segments that they, they offered just enough to be able to, to, to capture the audience and want them to, to go out and, and buy or rent or try the game. Exactly. Just to see, you know, hey, okay, I saw this, but where is this going to go or – you know, how do I get to that point or things like that? Exactly. I agree. I also think that just seeing, you know, oh, man, Columbia, it's a city floating. It's a city flying. That also added a whole dynamic of its own. You know, I mean, it was almost like the city was its own character. Columbia was its actual own character. Yeah. And, and you know, it, I mean, that, that makes a good point, too. And, you know, not that I didn't really, you know, going through – this actually kind of leads to what we're going to discuss next. You know, our experience with, you know, the, the prior iterations of the series, Bioshock 1 and 2, and as it precedes this, you know, this game, you know, Rapture had a life of its own. And it was dark, it was creepy, it was sinister. Uh, the enemies were, you know, whacked out, deformed. And, you know, it was just uh, Rapture just kind of had its a life of its own. And my problem with the previous settings of this game the environment was that at some point you were like you know crap does this rapture ever end is 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 there an end to rapture i mean you you get sick of seeing water outside you get sick of seeing the same crap all over the place and really you know at some point it's like you know didn't i pass this room back like three buildings ago i mean you the the environment was um you know and, and not to say that it was necessarily repeated, but it felt like the environment was kind of mirrored. You were going through corridors that kind of resembled other corridors. And then it just became kind of this monotonous, adventurous journey, you know, through a, through almost a never-ending city. And and not that the concept of that is bad, that, you know, because it, it is the adventure and it is the, you know, the live action. It is the, the you know, creepy crawlers around each and every corner that, you know, that, that help add that element of surprise and strategy to the game. And, and that's really, for me, you know, that is just one of several components that have always attracted me to Bioshock um, right. because of the, uh, you know, because of the enhancements that you were able to get, the plasmids and just the, not, not the overkill of special abilities in combat, but you were able to, to combine them in an effective way and use your environment around you, you know, to help you during combat, and you know, I, I think Bioshock is all, you know, has always kind of captured that element of of gameplay and that that certain element of, of fear and terror, you know, as you start, you know, as you've encountered the big daddy or the big sister or 
now some giant freaking raven hawk thing that's looking to rip your head off. I mean, uh-huh. it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, I I think like you said originally when you know you start going, okay, does this ever end? Does it ever end? It almost started to give you the feeling of being on rails. Not quite, <laughs> not quite, but it almost got to that rail shooter point where every so often in, in Infinite, you kind of got that feeling a little bit. Not, not a lot, not a lot at all, but every so often. I don't know if it was just me or if you kind of got that feeling at all, but there was a couple times where I started to feel like it wanted to get rail-like, and then all of a sudden, oh, no, nope, I'm okay. I, you know, I can go this way or I can go that way. <laughs> but Columbia changed it up. You know, you, you've got this environment, and then, bam, you're – you know, you're inside looking for Elizabeth, and then bam, you're back outside. It changed it up, and I think that gave it a good pace. Yeah, it did, and and I think you know the I think the sky rails were like one of the most unique. I I, I really think you know although I although I don't really use them too often. Um, I I really think I mean I I actually played Bioshock Infinite on the PC, and I um I think navigation wise and and, and the uh, although. Fighting on the sky rails definitely takes some some learning, but I think the ability to, in the middle of a combat situation, be able to jump on that rail, get yourself out of a potentially you know a dangerous situation, and then be able to flip back and forth on tracks. And then I think one of the biggest appeals to me was that you're not constantly trying to protect Elizabeth. She is a girl who can take care of herself and. I think the other good side of it is is that you don't need to worry about her taking damage. And right. I, I, you know, you're not you're not sitting there going, oh man, this chick is more of a burden than she's a help. And I think also an element that they combine in this game, like like for instance, going back to that topic, my problem with Bioshock Two was the little sisters. Mm-hmm. And, and although it was cool being a big daddy, the biggest pain in the butt was sitting there trying to deal with protecting her and protecting yourself, and then if something happened to her, you're screwed. Exactly. You know, and there was there was this one, they've added, you know, an element in the game that allows you to not only try to defend yourself and fight against the bad guys, but, you know, now you have this, you, now you have this partner who's assisting you by opening tears, throwing you supplies, giving you weapons, uh, you know, giving you an extra Viger to get you going. I mean, I, I think that was an incredibly awesome component that they added as part of this game, and it, it really, really helps make this game great. I agree, it does. I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure, myself included, at first kind of went, oh, no, is this going to be a burden? Is she going to be one of those? And I'm like, no, don't go that way. Don't do that. <laughs> but really, it, it wasn't. it was the complete opposite, like, like you were saying. Yeah. She was helpful. Like you said, you didn't have to worry. If you jumped on a sky rail to get away from someone and then flip back around to flank them, you did not have to worry about, oh, God, where did she go? Is she dying right now? Because that wasn't the case. If anything, she was calling to you, telling you, hey, I've got more ammo, or hey, I've got bigger. So <laughs> it, it was a perfect – it's like they gave you a sidekick, and this sidekick was not the dumb AI that we're used to. Yeah. And, and and you know and, and that's and that's a great point too. You know she she wasn't a stupid AI. I mean when when the bullets went flying, she went ducking. I mean you know and and to be able to you know the 
AI was a really, you know, they really cranked up the uh, the AI in this game. I mean, they they really strategically dodge incoming fire, and I, I, I mean, they almost work together to try to overpower you. I, yeah. I mean, when they're at the ammo, they're hiding behind boxes and covered just like you are to try to reload and come back out guns a blazing. Okay. So, I mean, I really think, you know, again, another component of the, that makes this game not only great, but it also makes it challenging. I mean, some of them are, depending on the level of difficulty you play, I guess. <laughs> True. Um, I started out on, I think I started out on medium or whatever, but Jamie, having played yourself, you know, what was your you know, after finally playing through the epic beginning of the game, um, you know that, that that you saw the you know the full beginning of the game, having played through it. What was your initial thoughts on on your journey into Columbia? Like, you know, before encountering Elizabeth, that that whole first part of the game, going through the baptism, and then you know actually entering into the world of Columbia. Um, you know, how does it make it a great gaming environment for people who? maybe are new to the series or for people coming in who are old players of the old series? I mean, how does it, how does Columbia as a whole differ depending, uh, uh, differ in comparison to uh, the, the, the field that Rapture gave? I have to say, you know, it's totally different side of a coin and it's a, it's a great flip side. Absolutely great flip side. You've got bright, vivid colors. You've got, you know, it's got that old time feel to it because basically, you know, obviously it's based off of 1912. But you know, originally you're kind of just like you said when you start off with the baptism, you're lock, you're walking through water, you're looking around. It's kind of quiet, tranquil, you know, quaint. You're kind of wondering, you know, what's going on. You're getting your depths. You're figuring out what does what. It's real calming, you know, not too overbearing. Where a lot of games just kind of throw you right into everything. And hey, if you figure out what the buttons are, we're going to tell you. The- Meantime, but we're throwing you right in the thick of it, and this didn't do that. Kind of eased you into things, which was good, because not only does it take that dynamic for the players that have, you know, are fans and longtime players of Bioshock, and give them, you know, something different. Because, like you said, everybody starts off with Rapture, and they're like, "Whoa, this is totally different." And then you've got the people that have never maybe played a Bioshock game before going wow, this really, you know, this lives up to what I've been waiting for. This lives up to all the, you know, the hype, all the videos I've seen. I I can't wait to get through this part to see what comes next because that was my initial reaction. I've played Bioshock before, of course, but my initial reaction to this was, well, obviously, at first, kind of wondering where it was going to go, you know, because I know we're going to touch on this later, but it did kind of start touching on things that kind of, you know, whoa, hey, that's kind of, okay, they're going to go there, you know. Yeah. And and not not so much in a bad way, okay, because I know, personally, I, you have to be objective. You know as well as anybody else in this kind of case, in what we do, you have to be objective. Now, outside of this, you know, there was, yeah, it was very heavily toned, and again, we're going to talk about that later. But I also think that added to more of the depth and the realism of it because they really captured or really tried to capture what was going on with 1912. You know, they really put you there. It was almost like here's a history book, open it up, and jump inside it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, and yeah, I, I know, again, but like you said, we'll, we'll touch on this more, but 
you know, there there are certain there's certain elements of the environment that if they wouldn't have brought in, it wouldn't have emphasized the the era and the period of time that they were trying to portray. So, I mean, I I absolutely agree, and and like you said, in our in in this line of work, what we do, I mean, yes, there there is a, there there is subjectiveness, there's objectiveness. Um, you know, I'll describe my own personal feelings about some of the content of this game in a little bit. However, you know, for me, you know, I felt very enclosed, almost claustrophobic in Rapture. Uh-huh. You know, as as the player entering into Rapture, I think your initial reaction is, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where did I end up? The bottom of some you know, freaking sardine can. I don't know where I am. And right. it's a much darker uh, – uh, I, I don't know. I And you know what? It, it really differs. I'll get more into Columbia here in a second. But, you know, in comparison, you know – with Rapture, you felt more like you were were in kind of a sardine can. I mean, you were constantly, you know, entrapped in this, uh, you know, fairly small corridors. At times, you know, there, there was a more a little more open world environment depending on where you were within Rapture. However, you know, you were always in this enclosure, and and you know, a part of me didn't really I didn't really like that too much. And kind of kind of the rat in the maze feel. Yeah, exactly, and that's really how you felt. And, and at some point, you're like, "Oh, great, more water," uh, you know. Or I, and and but you know what? In the earlier games, you know, it, it's not fair to make certain comparisons because you know Bioshock Infinite wasn't even a thought at that time. But you know, looking at looking at the way Rapture's structured, I, I don't know. I just Columbia. After you, I mean, even after you ascended from having being catapulted up there, uh, you know, coming having come down the elevator, they they kind of they kind of set the tone. And like you said, you're walking into this this peaceful, serene, um, almost almost feeling like you're just waiting for something to happen, <laughs> and it that something never quite comes while you're in there. So. You know, you're you're almost kind of with this eerie feeling walking around, going, "Okay, so what? What's somebody? They're going to come out guns and blazing. These preachers going to break out, in the, you know, M16s from underneath their underneath their robes and start trying to mow me down." Right. You start thinking, "What's the catch?" Yeah, exactly. Well, what's the catch? Here? Some something's going on, and you know how they introduce you, um, and despite the. Despite the problems I have, the religious undertone in this game. However, again, we'll we'll get into that. But I think Columbia is just such an incredibly open world. I, I mean, when you walk out onto that elevator and you just take a second to just look around, I, you're just in awe. I I mean, and it's it's kind of crazy to to walk into an environment where you know NPCs don't look like you know, deform Michael Myers and and people, you know, with, with claws as hands. And, I mean, you're walking into an open world that it's almost like you're walking into a city, you know, a town that people are just going about their normal business. They're talking to each other. You know, you hear children's laughter. Uh, you know, you hear people, you know, praising who they think they're worshiping. And, 
I mean, you're walking into an environment where, I mean, you're almost, you know, welcome to the city. Uh-huh. And and that's a huge um, that's a huge comparison to to uh, you know in retrospect to Bioshock one and two because in Bioshock one and two you're you're immediately an, an intruder and you are isolated. Uh, in this game, you have um, you actually have normal interactions with NPCs, um, although they're in a limited capacity, um, and you have you have Elizabeth who not only helps you. Uh, you you know, not only helps you along your journey to, to go through Columbia and give, you know, as obviously your whole main goal in, in moving through the city, but, you know, it's also a, plays a supportive role too. And you don't have the same luxury in the two previous iterations of the title. So, you know, for me, Columbia was just uh, such an incredible open world experience and a, and a really good step in the right direction for Bioshock. And, I hope they run with this, and I hope they pursue another Bioshock that follows similar traits instead of moving more towards the time of Rapture. So, I mean, it's just kind of how how I feel about it. No, I mean, uh, you, you really hit the nail right on the head. That's just, I was in awe. It's been a long time since I've seen an environment in a game that's made me go, you know, kind of take a second and just really look around like, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, a, a game that actually kind of makes you genuinely want to explore. There you and, go. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought I thought that component of it was, uh, you know, was was definitely a plus for me. So, um, you know, was the I guess the next thing is is was the time period like we were kind of discussing a little bit briefly a little bit ago. Was the time period beneficial, or was it more cumbersome to the actual to the actual gameplay? And would a better period, would a better era rather, be suited for the type of feel that they were going for? I mean, was nineteen twelve necessarily a good era to uh, to to have this game situated in? Um, out, and this is pushing aside all the strange, you know, traveling through time crap and everything else you end up finding out later. But, you know, the, the period of time anyway that, that, that the game is, is is originally anyway focused on uh, being 1912, did that do justice to the game or should they have maybe um, pushed this game maybe a little bit more in the future? I mean, how did the time era, do you think, uh, um, what did it do for the actual gameplay? Was it a plus? Was it a minus? I don't think I think it was somewhat beneficial, almost maybe needed, because it adds that whole, you know, as you said, you know, there was those things that even myself, but you know, there was those things that just kind of irked you, and it added to it, you know, it gave it that almost, you know, everybody wants to to push the envelope and give some kind of controversy, mm-hmm. you know, look at every Grand Theft Auto, there's always been some kind of controversy surrounding it. Oh yeah. I think I think this was, you know, this was their this was their Grand Theft Auto. This was their chance to to take a time in history, a period in history, and put their spin on it. You know, put because they literally they took you know here here's pages from a history book. Bam! Let's throw it into a program. Let's add, add some characters and let's run with this. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. You know, and who and, are and- we to say? 
that if they made that in 1980, that it would have made the game better. I, I don't feel it would have. And, and the same thing. It's like, after playing the game how it is, I can't really, I couldn't really accurately say if there would have been a better time period because the way they structured the game fit the time period. It, it mm-hmm. fit the era that it was made for. So, I mean, for me to be able to say, well, it probably would have been better if they if they made the game in 1999. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the whole storyline probably could have could have changed. I, I mean, you know, I Bioshock's always had that kind of older world kind. Of, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, like Rapture, although it some components of Rapture seem almost futuristic. A lot of like the 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 posters and the and the the it had that vintage feel to it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and this game did that well too and as as someone who admires um vintage um, you know vintage anything really um but somebody who who admires and likes that that kind of vintage feel you know for me that that's that's appealing so you know the time frame for me anyway fit in with the game but like you said Jamie I don't I wouldn't know what else to compare it to so right exactly i mean i'm a humongous history buff so all in all, I ate up the fact that, you know, they took a period and put their spin on it. You know, I that's just something I was into. Now, you know, again, touching on it later, there was some parts that were a little pushing the envelope. But also, if you know history, you know this time period, it, it needed to be done. Otherwise, this time period, it would have been pointless for them to even try and touch this time period. Yeah, they 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 probably couldn't realistically have portrayed it the way they did if they didn't add some. So I give them credit for taking on that challenge. They they did. And, and you know, that's that's a big obstacle for them to tackle just because of the content. And and I, I guess we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll kind of move into that now. And then um, what we've kind of been pushing and pushing and pushing until we could kind of have a, a center for discussion for this is they're um, – there are a lot of great components of Bioshock Infinite, and and it's the few components for me anyway that really detract big time for me from from the game and and from the get go. Just just like we were saying earlier about you know after being catapulted up from the ground level and and introduced into the world of Columbia. There is a tremendous religious undertone on this game that really, 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 really bothers me. And it bothers me the entire game since I've started playing. It still bothers me now. Um, as uh, I have no shame saying, I, I uh, you know, I, I am a Christian. And for me, um, the, the intent here to to worship and um, to 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 worship an idol other than other than what the Christian religion follows or, or Catholic or I mean whatever whatever your belief system is you know what if you're you're an atheist you're an atheist I don't know I'm just letting you know what I feel about it but uh, you know the the dynamic you know the, the the dynamic approach that they have really they've really moved towards I, I mean. And, and I use the word dynamic because without this element in the game, and, and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, but without this element in the game, there would have been no structure. 
because oh, I, as I, you I totally some, agree. Yeah, because as you, as you find out at some point, if they did not have this dynamic religious component in it, the entire game would not make any sense at all. It just wouldn't. Exactly. And and you know what? That's that's fine. However, I uh, what what offsets me is the worship of an idol and the type of worship, and uh, it, it almost it almost impositions me and makes me uncomfortable. Um, and even some of the quote biblical terms that were you know shined through the uh, you know through the uh, help me out here, Jimmy the the inscriptions right as you were coming down the elevator. Right, 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 you know, right. Yeah, even those. I mean, reading some of those. I mean, I was like, you know, I was, I was really off put by that. I, and then you know, as as your, you know, as you proceed through, as you proceed through through the water, and in, in, in the beginning, you're you're interacting with the the priests or pastors or whatever they are standing around in white gowns, you know, and then you're introduced into the water baptism. I um, that was really. That was something that that really kind of offended me, uh, right off the bat. I I was very. I don't I don't really know how to, I don't I don't really know the words to express it, but I was very just you know wow, they really. Yeah, I, I was a little taken back. Yeah, thank you. That maybe that's a good way to put it. I, I was really I was really taken back by that personally. Um, that really that really bothered me for some reason. I don't know. And I mean, there's there's other religious undertone and components in here that 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 really um, that really bother me too, and and just the the whole religious concept behind the game is just very very warped and and almost very demented. I mean, in certain parts, you know, you got people who have uh, you know scalped people and have you know nailed their scalps to a board. I, I mean, I just I mean, just wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what do you think? No, I mean, I mean, I agree. You know, I Christian here myself. You know, as a very small child, you know, I went through Catholic, you know, the catechism and everything else. So definitely, religion huge part of my life. You know, huge part of my upbringing, and um, I know about different faiths here and there as well. And it's just you know, this really, I want to say, push the envelope, but not so much. I want to say they really put themselves out there for someone to call them out on this. And again, you know, regardless of my personal feelings, things of that nature, I have to say that I give them credit for taking that on, you know, because that's that's something really heavy to carry on your shoulders as far as how many people could take this and not see it for what it is. You know, I objectively see it for what it is you know like you said before i don't think this game would be the same without it it just it wouldn't it wouldn't work and um you know all of it coming together i mean you touch so much on the religious tones but you know it also has the racial undertones and you know just the things of society, if you look at a lot of the stuff, a lot of it was propaganda and and kind of just things of that nature, which, again, being the history buff that I am, the time period, that's just how it was. Even with, you know, 
politics back then. It was really pushed almost like the cartoon-like things you saw when you looked into the viewers. And that was just par for the course for that time period. And unfortunately, again, I say that, you know, a big, big wait for them to carry on. But kudos for trying to take this on at the same time for the fact that a lot of people probably don't realize that that time period was like that. Maybe, you know, maybe people don't realize that it was that it was really literally that heavy and that bad with things of that nature back then. Now, was it all portrayed to a T as it went down in history? More than likely not. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, I, it, it really did. The, the tones of what they used really did hit to a lot of the, you know, things that happened in that time period. And, and you know, exactly. I mean, you know, what, what you're saying is, is accurate. You know, the racial and nationalistic, you know, views, you know, they, they gave me concern. And, and I realized the racial and nationalistic views, you're, you're definitely accurate in what you're saying. And, and like we've reiterated, you know, several times throughout this podcast, there's just certain parts of this game that, no matter how, I, I think, I think our nation's history, we're not proud, certainly not proud of things that we've done. And there is a period of time where slavery was obviously a presence in, within the United States, and it, it's something that was a terrible and terrible, terrible, terrible horror. And for those who may not want to relive, relive that, and for those um, of you know, a particular race who would very well be offended by the content that's in there. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it God. God only knows what I'd be without you without you and if, if you should ever leave me though life would still go on believe me the world could show nothing to me so so what good would living do me god only knows what i'd be without you
make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. probably agree as i was going through columbia and long story short um you know after going to probably almost every booth there and playing around with all the other stuff there i didn't really see the the racial uh, uh the, the evidence of racial what's the word um i don't want to say negligence uh racial just the presence of a real derogatory nature towards and the under the undertones the racial yeah, undertones yeah thank you the racial undertone was when you got to the point right before you actually started engaging in battle, and that was when you picked up the baseball, and without introducing spoilers, it had a certain number on there, you just happened to be the winner, blah, 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 blah. And when you were offered the choice to throw that baseball at an interracial combo versus the, the announcer, I was just, I, I didn't know, I didn't really know how to take that in. I was just, Man, I cannot believe they put that in here. I mean, to think that, mind you, my kids would not be watching me play this game, let alone any any decent parent. I mean, to to introduce the ability to be able to even do something like that, that really bothered me. Really, really bothered me. I mean, I understand given the era, I understand given the time, I understand racial segregation, I understand, you know, I understand African Americans at that time being called certain derogatory names, um, having their own different bathrooms, and I, I, I understand all that from what I can remember from history uh, back in high school. However, there are some, there are some things you just don't put in games. There are just some things you don't put in games. That was definitely one of them. I was that what that amongst some other things were one thing that took that shaved some points off Bioshock Infinite for me. I could not that that was just something that was not acceptable for me. That was not acceptable. It just it just wasn't. And I think again, like we we've reiterated time and time again, I understand that that type of behavior was normal for that time period. That type of viewpoint um, towards that race was normal for that time. That that I mean, as however normal by whatever stretch of the means you want to consider normal. Uh, not normal being okay, but just normal being that was just how it was during that time. But just because it was doesn't make it doesn't make it right and. I think I think the content that that side of it is is inappropriate, and there's there that had no place being in there. They could have very well substituted that with something that was uh, much less, um, much less not like that. When it was just leave it that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what do you think? And, and you know what? Maybe I'm just overanalyzing it. I, I just for me, for me, Jamie, as an adult. 
for me to be taken back by something that that offensive to me, I, I mean, I that was something that really just, I don't know, that just something that really bothered me. Especially with you know where we work and what we where we live, you know, I mean, come on, we see more controversy than, <laughs> yeah. But but I mean, yeah, I, I have to agree. That was a little much, but again, like, you know, we've been saying time and time again, that time period where that was, you know, the things that were going on in that time period, and, you know, I'm so thankful all the time that, unfortunately, things of that nature still kind of happen. It's not like it was then where that was just, you know, hey, huh? It's Monday. We're supposed to be doing that still, still. <laughs> you know, that's that's not cool. But, it's all Monday. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, as an adult, as a father myself, it's yeah, a little much for, you know, I definitely, like you said, my daughter is not going to see that. But at the same time, being myself, I, I took no time at all to take the opportunity to no, There was no question. Before the question was asked, that baseball was going at the announcer because that dude irritated me before that part even happened. (laughs) So he had it coming before he before that. There you go, exactly. That just made it worse. (laughs) That option presented itself. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's a shame that that was something that happened in that time period. You know, it's very unfortunate. And again, I've said it how many times. Again, I give them credit for just pushing that envelope and showing every, you know, taking the risk of showing everybody that this is what happened. You know, that time period, it was horrible. And I think that's why Columbia maybe was such of a, you know, kind of that awe moment when you first see it. Because you really, like you said, you know, you're waiting for the catch. You're waiting for the catch. And in my eyes, that was your catch right there. That was them telling you, as beautiful as this place looks, as quiet, as perfect as we've made this so-called utopia, it's not as perfect as you think. Yeah, it's I, ugly. It's it's you know it's there's an ugliness that you maybe th- people there in you know around you take as everyday life, but you as the character and you know you as the player kind of taken back as to, whoa, what happened to, you know, everybody being friendly, talking, everybody's happy, and then we got this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they were trying to do with it. Could there have been other ways they could have done that? Maybe, but they may not have fit with the time period. And, and I mean, I think that's a good point. And my side of it is, is that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to educate people. And mm-hmm. again, as as a father, you know this, as Gerald knows this, as, as those of us who will become parents and those of us who are parents who hopefully maybe one day will be. However, there's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to approach it. Personally, I don't think the right way is for my children to observe me watching a game. And even though that kind of behavior, and I'm not saying you're wrong, Jamie, I'm just saying, even though that kind of behavior was acceptable during that time period, I think there is a better way of educating today's youth other than showing them explicit and, and, and terrible things like, like that kind of display. 
And by all means, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's just a different. They've taken it to a level that I, as an adult and as a parent, feel uncomfortable playing, and I think that's pretty bad. And for those of you who have absolutely no problem chucking a baseball at those people, you know that is your own prerogative. And you know, although I personally feel that you know you're wrong for doing something like that. I, I'm not going to get into the moral aspects of what is right and what is wrong and what you feel is right and what is wrong. I'm telling you, Jamie will probably tell you. If Gerald gets on here, he'll probably tell you. That that just that just crosses the threshold. So, you know, I, I, I that's just how I feel about it. I, I think the I think past that period the racial undertones weren't as prevalent. I think the religious undertones actually really overtook a lot of the racial ones. But, I mean, just listening to some of the audio, the uh, the audio recordings you pick up were a little, uh, uh, for the ones I actually did listen to, which weren't really very many. But, uh, you know, I, I think even some of those really, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really talk too much on those because I, I didn't really listen to enough of them to make a, any, any kind of real, you know, fundamental judgment call on those but so so just uh you know we're not going to beat a dead horse here bottom line is is that i personally feel that the religious and racial and nationalistic undertones of this game um took off points for me um I, it left me unsatisfied in that area uh, I, I think it was hard for me and continues to be difficult for me uh moving through the game with such volatile and such warped and such sadistic and such um and such a twisted perception on religion and for me that really 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 bothers me uh jamie have you want to conclude on that one i just you know it 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 definitely was it definitely a lot of it did take me back i was taken you know to the point where I had to quite a question, you know, whoa, okay, maybe they did a little overboard for the time period, you know, things of that nature. Um, again, a rough time period to, to portray without pushing that proverbial envelope. All in all, the end of the day, it's a game, and people need to remember that. People also need to remember that no matter what, you, everyone's view is everyone's view, and Honestly, the thing I take away most from this game is don't ever, 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 ever let anything or anybody influence your views. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's what you should take away from this game is that, you know, it was crazy. You should not let someone influence your views, your beliefs, anything like that. (laughs) Us included. If you have something to say, if you think we're off our rockers and that, you know, this was the greatest part of the game entirely, let us know. (laughs) <laughs> Even though we are very opinionated. I would love to know other people's views on this. Because, again, it was very, very, very shaky for them to push all this into this time period and saying, here you go, take it or leave it, like it or don't like it. Yeah, it's it's borderline. I think this is for a lot of <laughs> for for so many reasons. <laughs> I mean, so many you reasons know, it's there was a few things I saw them push that I kind of went, wow. And people said Grand Theft Auto was bad. This game is Grand Theft Auto on drugs. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's Grand Theft Auto on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, at the end of the day, 
take it for take it for a grain of salt, you know. Don't don't, don't sit take there it and like I yeah, did. Well, no, not even that. You know, you're you're entitled. Everybody's entitled to you know an opinion. To if something offends them, if it offends them, there's movies that have offended people, TV shows. So by all means, you know, and I think that's what they you know. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, we're going for as much as I hate to say it. I think they were going for, hey, this time period was what it was. You know, we're going to catch some flack for this. We're going to catch a lot of controversy, but it is what it is, and we need to do it. You know, that, that was probably the attention they were looking to get, though. They wanted something radical enough for people to talk about. And to be totally honest, from everything that we'd seen up until the point where we popped this in and played it. We had no idea it was going to go that route. Yep, you're absolutely right. We still and we and we were just still driven to want to play it. So I, I have to commend them on that. And I'm not, I'm not condoning the developers of this game. And, and although, I, I mean, Jamie, realistically, I, I there's a lot of games that have very satanic undertones. Silent Hill, Resident Evil. Um, oh yeah. You know, Damien's, uh, you know, Dante's. Dante's Inferno. I, I mean, there's plenty of games out there we can name offhand that have um, absolutely derog- I mean, absolutely demonic and sat- satanic undertones. But of you know, I, I I'm not going to knock the developers on this. It was personally a drawback for me because uh, because you know uh, my my religion is an important factor in my life, and I apply that. Um, and that doesn't just go with Bioshock. I, I mean, there's other games where I played a little bit and. You know, even t- take Tomb Raider, and although I gave it a ten, there were some minor aspects of the game that that did bother me. And and in this one, you know, in Tomb Raider, for instance, it wasn't so much the religious aspect, although there was kind of an occult thing going on there. But it was more of the the absolute grotesque and and just the I mean, the, the blood and gore level was just yeah. off off the friggin' chart. Yeah. So and but I mean, you know what? Bioshock has elements of grotesque, disgusting stuff in it, you know, just like, just like some of the stuff that Tomb Raider had in it. But you know, and I'm glad you said that. I really am because, honestly, I, you know, I've kept up with everything. Saw you gave Tomb Raider a ten. Saw you loved it. You know, it was a knock out of the park for you. But I had to know if if you were feeling anything else towards that, and I'm so glad you brought that up right now because yeah. it, it's true. It's it's really true. There was a lot of times where you went, this is a young girl, and look what they're doing to her. And, you know, I, again, moments like that were happening in this game in Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was explaining some family earlier tonight. I'm, I'm just, like, I was floored. Um, I know this is a little off Bioshock topic, but I was floored by, you know, the the impression that Tomb Raider has made through the series, and to be, to 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 look at the the absolute blood and gore that they brought into this game, I'm just like, wow. I mean, what happened to this? Like, you know, what happened to Laura? I mean, <laughs> and it's come a long way from. PlayStation days when you would take a fall and just kind of hear crunch. Yeah, exactly. Or fall off that and just, you know, you, you fall like a puppet on the floor. Yeah. You know, so it, it's like, you know, Bioshock has always been a pretty bloody game. I'm not, not going to lie, sugarcoat it. I mean, it's always been a pretty graphic game. 
mm-hmm. I think in this one, they have certainly amped that up <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, you know, the fact that you take a sky hook and, and drill somebody's face apart, I, I think that, that is definitely not child appropriately, uh, child appropriate content. Oh, not at all. <laughs> I, I would have had very upset under 18 year olds if I was still working in the game store this time. Yeah. I mean, you know, crows, you know, ripping your flesh, ripping your enemy's flesh apart. You know, I mean, stuff like that is, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of bad. But, but, you know, anyway, that's, like, like I said, we're not going to. We're not going to beat a dead horse at the top, okay? That's kind of how it's going to be. We can turn it off and we can forget all about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's more move past it to the, um, to the way the game was really paced and, you know, the combat system. Uh, overall, I, I think, really, I, I was I was pretty impressed with the – not only with the, with the items – I guess let's start with this. Let's start, you know, with the weapons and their their ability to be customized. Um, I, I, I say customized, but realistically more upgraded is probably the, the appropriate terminology for that. Mm-hmm. I, I think you were really offered a pretty decent array of weapon upgrade availability. Um, I was I was actually pretty pleased with that, that aspect of it. Um, I think Vigors, I, which were previously known as plasmids, in essence, they do the exact same thing, except they, they're graphically a little bit different, and they, overall they, they do a little bit different things than the plasmids. But um, I think they were still um, very effective, very useful during combat. I like the new plas- uh, I like the new Viger system. Uh, I think collectively the way you you use your Vigors, I think there's drawbacks to it. However, I don't know if drawbacks are a really good term for it. I think I think it's more strategic now than in the previous games where although they kind of closely followed the same thing where you would pick up the you know the, the plasma refills, I think um, and it's been a little bit since I played the previous Bioshock, so Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think with this one, you really have to be more gingerly the way you use your, your Vigors because um, using Using one of uh, one Viger utilize takes your ability way to use all your other ones. So, exactly. you know, when it comes down to it, you know, you can't keep firing off certain ones because, like the possession one, for instance. I mean, that takes that is extremely consuming without the upgrade. Oh yeah. So, I mean, you're really it's very strategic to use your Vigers in this and to use your your special abilities in combat, even though they get you out of a pickle, but. Uh, you know, I think that I think that aspect of it was was unique. Uh, I, I also really like the kind of uh, how do I put it? Uh, the clothing bonuses that you could pick up, and even though you were limited to only five, the ability to interchange them out and to view a comparison of which equipment was better, and to give you bonus perks, uh, whether that's perks when you're on the sky hook, uh, weapon defense perks, offensive perks. Uh, I, I think that whole system was really unique to this Bioshock, and, and it was definitely very well. Yeah, they definitely utilized that that part of the game really, really, really well. And I really think the fast-paced combat system, uh, the engagement in, in enemy combat, um, the the effectiveness during combat of using your support, you know, using that that other player, using Elizabeth as support. Um, you know, combining your your abilities, opening tears, I think was 
an incredibly useful and awesome, awesome aspect of this game to be able to bring in um, what are typically enemies and use them as allies and to, uh, you know, overcome and possess um, bad guys and have them, you know, tear each other apart or, you know, bring George, good old George Washington with the, you know, with the hand crank gun in there and, you know, taking out enemy balloons, you know, with cannons on. I just think that whole that whole system, their whole combat system was incredible, incredible, incredible battle system. And again, it stayed on course with the time period, you know, with the Vigors. That's why they went that route. The Vigors, that was a big thing back in that time period was you've got the people that are pushing their tonics, you know. Oh, this tonic will cure anything, and this tonic will cure this, and this will give you this. And that's kind of the route they went with using the Vigors is, you know, the tonics were big in that time period if you pay attention to history. So they've got these going here. This is the way we're going to utilize this for you. And I think, you know, again, that was done very well. Yeah, and I, I just think uh, they they really just captured the essence of what Bioshock is. But they also they introduced a lot of new concepts that I, I think really just made this game. And, and uh, you, you know, I wasn't disappointed. Uh, I, I just think graphically the game is just amazing. Uh, the, the combat system is just genuinely, uh, I, I mean, there is strategy behind it. Um, going out in a blazing glory is not, uh, is not a good combat system. It just isn't. No. And it really, the thing is, you know, I, uh, I like the way they set the shield system up. I think that's cool. And then the enhancements you're able to get through the, through the periods of the game that will, you know, you can choose to enhance your, uh, your Esper your your health or your shields and I, I think that that system is pretty cool. Uh, I also I also think there's still a lot of strategy to it though. It's not as easy as going out there burning through your shields. I mean, I, it, after shields are gone, I mean, you're dead pretty quick. It, exactly. You know, you've really got to you know plan out your attack and you know use cover. I mean, it's it's definitely not a running gun now. I know you touched on Elizabeth helping you here a little bit here and there and the pacing of it, but once you met up with her, did, you know, not to go off the subject, but just wanted to ask you a question, you know, once you did meet up with her, did her dynamic and, you know, what the powers that she possessed and the way she assists you, did that kind of, you know, add or detract to the game for you or, you know, well, obviously when she's not running from you or something, because that happened a lot as well. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, it was, you know, in, in many of these games that have supportive characters and supportive roles, you find that you're you're spending more time defending them. And I think that she, I think Elizabeth added an incredibly great dynamic to the game because of her unique abilities and her abilities to to bring in certain tears. And and you know, I think they they made it. They made they added strategy to that too because it wasn't as simple as if you have three different terrors available to you you can just open all of them. It wasn't that simple. You had to really effectively choose: Do I want cover? Do I want offense? Do I want the ability to be able to get above the enemy and have the offensive advantage? I, I mean, and you had to make all these decisions in here in a couple seconds because you had you know half the armed forces coming after you you know, wanting to take you down. So, 
you know, her abilities to be able to, to, to be able to support the character. And I can't tell you how many times she got me out of, uh, out of real tough situation when I was running low on sniper ammo or I was running low on Esper or, you know, I was like near death about to go into a coma and she gave, uh, you know, she gave me a full health pack. I mean, I, and, and not to mention all the, the, uh, the financial plus that you get from her too because of all the money she gives you throughout the time that you're with her. Yeah. So, I mean, she added, uh, she added an incredibly, I actually, honestly, Jamie, I don't think I've played a game with a supportive role such as her that has been such an incredible help. And honestly, she makes the game. Her, uh, I will give that to you, yeah. Her presence in the game, it, it just, it, it just makes it, it does it on a combat level, on an emotional level. On, on just the game, um, the the core game itself, she makes that game. So, yes, she I think she adds an incredible dynamic to the game. I absolutely agree with you on that. You know, like you said, the, mm-hmm. you you have those tears, the rifts where you're just going, okay, what do I need? What do I need? You know, even down to oh look, she can create a robotic George Washington for me to fight, which you know. She just was so handy. I mean, and we we touched on it a little once before, and I said it, and I'll say it again. The AI was amazing to yeah. the point where it was not a hindrance at all or yeah. a burden. It was, you know, just when you think, oh, man, if I could find – and then, bam, she's telling you, I've got, I've got ammo. I've got, you know – or she would even tell you. When you did kind of need something and she couldn't find it yet or didn't have it, she would kind of tell you, hold on a minute, I don't have it. So you kind of knew, wow, I've got to really watch myself for a minute before she, you know, finds something for me. And you honestly didn't know what it was. You may have needed, you know, salts, but she may throw you some ammo. But it was always something that was helpful. It was never something that you went, really, this is what you're giving me? I don't need this right now. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing, too, is which was awesome was uh, the fact that your combat was uninterrupted. So that you All you had to do was take a brief moment to turn to her for, for you to collect the stuff. And you, yeah. just like you just said, she gave you what you needed. <laughs> Simple button press, and you were still right in the flow of things. It didn't yeah. interrupt the flow of anything, yeah. I I mean, you know... I I just uh it it was a it was just a great she just added a really just a, a great dynamic spin to the game. She was definitely you know one of the just core core elements of this game that that just made this game. Uh you know on, on that note what and just out of curiosity what was your what was your favorite gun? What was my favorite gun? There, you, you would put me on the spot like that because there was just so many that I was like, wow, I like that. I, I, I really liked the grenade launcher. Mm. And honestly, I kind of um, – I actually kind of stuck with the sniper rifle as much as I could. It was really fun to just kind of snipe people. You beat me to it. I was just about to say, and especially after you applied the upgrades to the sniper rifle. Yep. One shot kills. <laughs> exactly. I had, you know, I had the achievement for the headshots in like no time. Yeah. That's how, and, that, and that's just how accurate that was as well, you know. Where a lot of times, at first I was kind of thinking, really, this is how I have to downside? Okay, I'll get used to it. But it really just ended up flowing and it, it worked out well for me. Yeah, and I mean, your iron sights were pretty, were pretty accurate too. And 
they gave you, even though I didn't spend a lot of my, I really didn't spend virtually any of my money on some of the, uh, um, actually most of the upgrades I didn't really get because there were guns I didn't find that I really utilized. I mean, uh-huh. it's just like any game. I mean, once you get the sniper rifle, why am I going to waste money upgrading a pistol? Uh, right. I, I, I dropped the pistol for a while after that. Yeah, and just like the shotgun, well, if I have a grenade launcher, I mean, what's the point of, you know? And, and I mean, you know, there's, there's, um, you can get upgrades for clip size and, you know, reducing your recoil, increased damage, you know, things of that nature. So, I mean, in that aspect of it, it's not necessarily bad because when you're out in the middle of the battlefield, you're picking up other people's weapons too, especially the rebel guns too. So, Mm-hmm. I, I also think the vending machines were, oh, man, they were tremendously helpful in this game. Oh, yeah. To be able to buy espers and health packs and uh, the uh, upgraded weapon, uh, not upgraded weapons, I mean the, the upgrades to your uh, your, your uh, vigors, um, uh-huh. upgrades to your the upgraded ammo. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily upgraded ammo, but you, you could buy more ammo on the fly. Right. And if you died in combat, you know, it was cool that either Elizabeth would revive you or you would just pay a little bit of money and you could get right back into the – they didn't interrupt the flow there if you died. So right. uh, that that aspect of it was cool too. So I guess ultimately did the game live up to its hype? And according to Metacritic, it does score one of the best, if not the best game of this generation. Does it live up to that? What do you think? I'm going to say, you know, I obviously haven't played quite as much as you have. I'm right behind you. But um, I have to say yes. This game not only lived up to the hype, I think it pushed forward and, you know, went beyond the hype. I think it showed everybody that, you know, it. I think it mostly showed it wasn't just hype. Because, you know, you get a lot of games where they're hyped up, and then you play them, and you're going, what was all the hype about? Yep. This game, I think, pushed that and kind of said, you know, the hype didn't do it justice. I, I agree. I, I think this is by far one of the best games, one of the best games I've played this year. I still, and, and, you know, I, I guess the, the one, the one disappointment is, is that when you're playing Bioshock, I mean, just like, just like any game, I know a game has to end at some point, but you always dread it. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, the, the one thing I personally think that this game, like you said, I think it exceeded the hype that was on it. I think it was an incredibly made game. It was, it's definitely, definitely worth playing. I purchased it. However, as I, you know, faithfully draw near the end of the game at some point, I know I'm going to have to come to terms and accept that. I was hoping the DLC maybe would have been an extension onto the game. I, my understanding is the DLC is not actual is not an actual extension to the game. It's just extra content, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah, think I it's think kind, it's of, kind side of side stuff. stuff. So I mean, 
I'm kind of disappointed about that, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they come out with some extra actual game to it. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say there's no replay value to it. For me, for me, it's difficult to justify replay value unless I haven't played the game in a while and I'm just interested to do it again. Um, go, you know, go through the process again. However, I don't know if after the first playthrough that there would really be much motivation for me to go through a second time unless I really, unless they have like a new game plus and I can keep all my vigors from the previous completion and, and, and really just go through and get all the upgrades and maximize everything and maybe keep going through it until you are, you know, a walking tank that, you know, can't be defeated. Put in the Konami code. No. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Oh, yeah? It actually unlocks a, like, insanely difficult difficulty. See, I mean, and, and you know, maybe 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 that would, you know, after completing it, maybe trying to complete it on a really insane difficulty might, you know, might, uh, it's for entertainment purposes anyway, but you can't really go by me. Exactly. Other people might. You know, other people might finish it and, you know, hey, just start right back up and play it through the second time and try to understand right. it. And uh, for those of you who haven't completed the game yet, uh, there is a very, very intricate storyline. So um, I don't really know if listening to all the audio tapes, you might actually have to do some Internet research like I did to try to conceptually pull the ending together and have a broad concept understanding of how everything ties together. Mm. But Bioshock has always been notorious for doing that. That's just, that's just how the game is. It's always had an ending that lets left you with a, what the? F- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wait, 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 what? He was him and she did, and then they, they were there, and they the, the different time periods and eras and what? Wait, yeah, what? You, you get that? <laughs> I say, oh, I don't understand what just happened. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's how that's that's my closure of what I thought about it. So. There's a feeling from the ceiling And it sets my brain a-reeling When I'm listening to the music of a military band Any tune like Yankee Doodle Simply sets me off my noodle It's that patriotic something that no one can understand Way down south in the land of cotton melody untiring, ain't that inspiring? Hurrah, hurrah, we'll join the Jubilee, and that's going some for the Yankees by gum, red, white, and blue, I am for you, honest, you're a grand old rag, you're a grand old rag, you're a high-flying flag, and forever in peace may you wave. You're the emblem of the land I love, the home of the free and the brave. Every heart beats true under red, white, and blue, where there's never a boast or brag. But should old acquaintance be forgot, keep your eye on the grand old rag. And I also think, too, I've heard so many different flip sides of the story. You know, even Gerald told me, oh, I kind of went through it slow and was was looking here, looking there. And, you know, I know 
Other people may have just kind of stuck to the plan and went forward and did what they needed to do. So really there's that replay value of if you went through and looked at every single little thing, maybe you want to go back through and kind of just breeze through. And then if you didn't go through and look at every single little thing, maybe you want to go run back through a second time and actually look at every single little thing. That way you don't miss anything. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, I definitely I agree with you. It does have a huge replay value. Definitely not one that you could say, oh, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, and, you know, maybe if you don't understand the ending before you start doing the Internet research, you know, play through it again on a on a different difficulty and just, you know, pay more attention to the uh, less, maybe less to the magnitude of Columbia and more on the more intricate and notarial things that are, you know, presenting themselves. I mean, as you said, you did listen to a lot of those um, recordings, and I myself, you know, sat back and listened to recordings. That's why it's taken me a little bit longer to, you know, get to the point where you went. Yeah, and, and again, not to say I – I've just never really found any of those to really have any real significance or relevance in any of the games. However, yeah. if you do take the time to listen to them – I mean, Jamie, you, you could voice this better than me – they probably do offer some some information that would help maybe understand help you understand what's going on in the game more and, and leave you less with a cliffhanger at the end. They do they do kind of give you a little bit of you know insight, so to speak. So I'm sure it could help tie things together. But then again, you're probably still going to end up with the whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will, and inevitably you will. Well, so. speaking of the whole whoa, really, you know, I mean. So, synopsis-wise, you know, I know you did the review on this because, again, you went through it and, you know, caught everything up and tied it all in a nice little bow. What did you think? You know, you scored it, you know, and all that stuff. What, what, your initial, you know, what was your ending thoughts on as a whole when you were reviewing this and scored it? I, I think as a whole, Bioshock, uh, did not did not disappoint. I awarded it a nine point five, uh, if I recall correctly. That's correct. like I was discussing earlier. For me personally, overall, this game uh, had a very compelling, very intriguing, uh, a very emotionally um, structured storyline. You were driven to to continue your pursuit through the game. It had an excellent combat system, very fluid mechanic. Um, just the way the game played was very free-flowing. Uh, it was not cumbersome. Um, although, as Gerald and I have discussed this, I believe off the air, there were um, some monotonous dialogue, and there's there wasn't the desired interaction with the NPCs that I think uh, Gerald was looking for necessarily. However, I didn't really feel like, I, I think the NPCs served their purpose. I, I'm actually happy that there wasn't a lot of extra dialogue interaction with the NPCs. I think that would have, would have drew away from the, the overall complexity of the game. I think that your relationship as I kind of disclosed earlier here, again, try not to too many spoilers here for those of you who haven't either completed or played it yet. 
I, I think I think your relationship and your development of your relationship with Elizabeth and, and the facts you actually end up finding as this game concludes are are almost like a heart jerker and and almost if you again without 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 telling you the ending or anything just um spend some real careful time near the end and and take the time to really go through those end steps very carefully because at that very end of the conclusion of this game you will you'll just it'll leave you with a very just kind of just leave you in awe and wait till the credits are over before you close the game out that's all i'm gonna say so many times we forget to do these things because you get irritated with watching credits but i always do because of the simple fact that nowadays well for a while with games but nowadays there's movies games you can't not do that i mean i've seen people walk out of a movie theater before the parents are done and miss an entire five-minute scene in a movie that could set them up for the next one. And even though, for those of us, I'm sure you're probably included in this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though you will be invoked to turn your remote, your mouse, into a flying projector television <laughs> as the ending of this game comes, wait till the credits are done and hopefully you'll feel better. And, you know, the other thing that I and, – and I don't know if this is, like, a good thing or a bad thing, Jamie, but through my research on the Internet, this – Bioshock doesn't seem to have – it doesn't seem to have an alternate ending this time. As far as I can tell, I, I have to say you're right on that one. So it – I mean, ultimately – I mean, I – I don't know if that's really a good thing or a bad thing. I, I, I mean, for me, I guess it's a good thing because you know at least the ending, but I, I'm not going to say whether it's good or bad. But how it concludes, however your interpretation of it, that really, when you get to the end, that kind of means that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, my correction, I gave it a 9.0. I thought I gave it a 9.5. Right. I was just yeah. going to tell you, I didn't want to interrupt you yet, but I was just going to tell you, I looked at, back at it and said, ooh, hey. Maybe, uh, sorry, I got, I got so caught up in getting a phrase, I decided to give it an extra half a point. <laughs> I thought, I could have sworn I gave it a nine and a half, but yeah, maybe a nine point out. Maybe I was really, really, really offended by the content. But I see, you were, you were having a little bit more of an angry Nick moment that day when you reviewed it, see? Yeah. <laughs> that day or something, I really, really felt like I really needed to criticize it. So, you know, in, in any case, I just, uh, you know, I, I think the game uh, is just very, very well-rounded, very well-structured, and uh, despite uh, some significant undertones of the game and the graphic nature and content of it, and as far as child-friendliness, and please take that term gingerly when I say it, uh, it I, when I say child-friendliness, I'm not obviously ex- expecting um, people to have their four- or five-year-olds play it. I mean, child-friendliness for... Uh, what maturity games? You got to be eighteen, right, to get them. That's correct. Or seventeen, eighteen, whatever. I, yeah. Just you know, for the age range, with especially with with the, the violence and the gun and the gun control issues that we have going on right now, uh, this just like in every other game. Um, hopefully, they don't find uh, reasons to to blame it for you know people going you know. Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I was going to use a term, I, I, I'd rather not with nature things going on, but 
without people going um, off on people in a belligerent way and causing harm and and taking people's lives like um, like some very unfortunate things recently that have manifested in that nature. So, you know, again, caution, just like any other game. Um, I, I'm going to just kind of wrap this up. I, I don't want to keep going on about it, but like I said, um, please excuse my you know, misquoting my, my rating earlier. I did get a 9.0, not a 9.5. Uh, Jamie, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that, sir. I just, you know, what I've been through so far, I have to agree with you. It's just, it's, it's great. It, it definitely, like we said before, ultimately took the hype and, you know, pushed it up a notch and went past it and surpassed it. And, I honestly can't wait to finish it. I'm really, really close. Other than that, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head when you said everything you could say. And again, as Nick said, use your best judgment. You know, in in light of everything, use your best judgment. We've all, you know, we're all sitting here. We play what we play. But at the end of the day, we know that I'm not going to go running over to Nick's house and try and find a sky hook and stick it in his eye. It's just not going to happen because, one, just not what I would want to do. Two, I don't have a skyhook, darn it. And three, we have to learn to disconnect ourselves from, you know, fiction and reality. And, you know, it's fun. It's very fun to take that controller in hand, go to a totally new world. It makes you forget about everything else for a while. We also have to remember that we can disconnect from that, come back, and live our lives the way we need to. And, and also, you can buy a Skyhook replica in your uh, in your in your neighborhood market. <laughs> yes, yes. I think I saw one in the hardware department at Walmart. I'm not sure. Sir, um, okay. <laughs> we have a rollback on Skyhooks. <laughs> can you direct me to the aisle that has the Skyhooks on it? Oh, sir, that's in the hard section on aisle eight. <laughs> <laughs> On the outside of the box, some assembly required. <laughs> Warning, may cause damage. <laughs> may cause bodily harm. These keep small parts away from children. Choking hazard. Yeah, choking hazard. This does have moving mechanical parts. So, well, we have jabbered on enough this evening about Bioshock, probably enough to saturate your brains. And um, As always, we uh, we appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and uh, we will have this up in as timely a manner as our good, our good crew at GameSource can work on it and get it done. So, um, As always, we uh, always encourage everyone out there to check out our the latest and greatest in uh, media and uh, reviews and blogs and all that good stuff at www.yourgamesource.com uh, don't forget, we're also on Twitter and Facebook and uh, on YouTube at YourGameSource.com, and that's D-O-T-C-O-M. And uh, we got great things along the way, you know, with E3, but just a, uh, just a little bit out, and it's already April. June. I can't believe it. Close already. Tell me about it. I, mean, I don't know where the year went, man. It seems like we were just snoozing through the Wii U presentation. Yeah, I know. Well, the one I didn't get into because I had a weapon on me, so. See, and then Nick wants to talk about, you know, mature-rated things, and 
this man couldn't get into a simple conference because of a weapon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Just so everybody doesn't get the wrong idea, we're not talking like firearm here. We're talking like a pocket knife. <laughs> okay. It wasn't anything so, that was any So this year we're leaving the sky hooks at home. <laughs> yeah. This year we're leaving the sky hooks at home, pocket knives, firearms. You know, <laughs> if we happen to pick up some vigors or plasmas when we're there, we'll use those, but. You know, so, um, you know it, it, as always, you know, we're, we're always uh, welcoming people to, to become a part of the crew. So, um, you know, if you feel compelled that you want people to, uh, you know, look at your reviews and you want to become a part of the team, we're, we're always welcome to have you. So uh, just send us the email at uh, yourgamesource at yahoo.com. And I think that will about sum it up for tonight. Sounds so. like a wrap to me, my sir. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in to this uh, special review of Bioshock Infinite. And until our next podcast, peace out. Good night, everybody.